Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bug's for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. How about number six? You don't get no better than that, man. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. With me, as always, chairman of the athletic department going away party planning committee, Collins Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And unfortunately not with us today is Brian Goers, who is in the hospital suffering from labial frostbite. It was a cold game last night. It was. He stuck to the end, and it really uh, he's paying the price for it now. It sure is. He should have worn pants. Yeah. <laughs> we told him that all the way through, but he, he stuck to his guns. Nope. And those things stuck right to those bleachers. Yeah, that's metal. right. Yep, yep. So anyway, yeah, the Tigers played their final home game of the season against the Tennessee Volunteers, and we came away with a big, fat loss. Yeah, there's a lot of disappointing things to talk about from this game. Indeed. Uh, but first and foremost would just be purely effort. Yeah. Just the effort level. Like the first series, we had a, a running back not know it was a running play, and uh, Drew Locke threw a shitty interception to a receiver who was blocking for a running play. <laughs> and it just kind of belied the effort and focus that this team seemed to have for this game it was just of all the miserable fucking games we've had to watch this season this may have been the most miserable and it was gary pinkle's final game oh yeah don't forget that furrow field and so you one would expect that the coaches and the players would be up for it to give their coach the send-off he deserves but instead no they did the exact opposite um i think colin you did allude to the fact that after the byu big victory the emotional win that they could you know there could be a fall off and there in my mind there was it, yeah either there was a fall off or they just rescinded back to their normal form which is yeah. no offense i think they i think there was a fall off i mean i even in the games where we were just abysmal i never questioned their effort right their give a damn but i really this game it just looked like it was it was cold mm-hmm. and the season's basically over and their coach is out the door and they just got to a point where they said fuck it there was a play in particular i just remember taylor chapel getting blown up on the right side and and it looked like he didn't even he didn't really put any effort in any try. The guy went right around him. It was mm-hmm. it was a standard issue offensive line play we've seen all year where they just let them go by like it's a turnstile at a subway station. Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw Crawford do when very early on in the game uh, get just completely fucking blown up. I just I mean I I rewind it on the DVR um, this morning and watched it and just was sickened by it. And I thought, how does that happen? You know what I mean? And you'd think, well, it does happen, Colin. I mean, these guys are playing a lot of snaps, and it's going to happen. Well, yeah, it's going to happen. But it's not going to happen consistently three or four times a game, every game for an entire season, unless you are doing something wrong. 
and it a great moment where they where Bame and um, McConnor, McConnor McGovern are carrying Pinkle on their shoulders off the field. And for some reason, it just smacks. Yeah, it it just smacks so hollow to me. Yeah, because they play so poorly. It's like if you want to do something for your coach, and I know this is probably being too hard on them. Play fucking football. You know, let's put them up on our shoulders and blah blah. Fuck you. Get him a win. Play football. Don't get blown up. I saw Bame get blown up several times in this game, and he was supposed to be some preseason pick. And I'm like, fuck that guy. He played like shit all season, and he's a senior. Well, to me, given the way that the offensive line has played all year long, I saw them carrying him off the field, and I couldn't help but wonder if they banged Pinkle's head on the, uh, <laughs> on the tunnel when they brought him in yeah. because they fucked everything else up this yeah. year. No doubt. And no so, doubt. Um, yeah, it was, it was more of the same. <laughs> and then, you know, one of the highlights or the positives I'll take away from this game and the season is that with the end of the Gary Pinkle tenure, it will almost certainly be the end of the A.J. Ricker, Josh Henson tenure as well because they have done nothing but be terrible and uh, we saw a lot of that this week the the play calling i mean the execution was always bad but the play calling itself was so uncreative and so predictable Joe wall jasper brought it up in his article he basically said you know two yard run screen pass screen pass draw play punt and it was just like that Mm -hmm. was what we do over and over and over again Uh, one fan tweeted out during the game that if this game plan had a code name, it was Operation Chicken Shit Pussy. <laughs> and I thought, that was very apt. There's a lot of things I would like to apply that to. And um, the uh, Josh Henson, uh, you know, the other after the BYU game, I saw a few people patting Josh Henson on the back. Like, mm. uh, and about, you know, hey, this guy has been a, basically everybody's whipping boy, but he called a good game tonight. Okay, well, that's fine, but we've played 11 games now, and there are two, only two games that I can point to where I would say the game plan was okay. Not good, not great, just okay, and that was South Carolina and BYU. Right. The only two games where the offense didn't look just absolutely miserable. So if fuck you guys, if you're super comfortable with two games being good, or well, uh, okay, and uh, nine games being terrible, then yeah, Stick prop Josh Henson. Henson up on, his sh- on your shoulders and, and carry it all the way to the bank. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's inexcusable. I mean, it's and, and you know, you'll notice that we stopped about halfway through the season playing the blame game because it's just redundant. Like, why would we do it over and over and over again? Because it's the same problems yeah. all year that have gone unresolved. And at some point, we're going to have to stop awarding the Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game because yeah. Corey Fatoni just is going to and, – and Kentrell Brothers are just going to win it every week. Yeah. Every week. I mean, we have we've given I think two offensive Kirk Farmer's hair awards this year. Drew Locke, we gave that him that award South when he Carolina. got his first win against South Carolina, and then Russell Hansborough, uh, I think last week yeah, we gave hundred yards rushing. Other than that, it's either been a defensive player or a special teams player. And make no mistake, our special teams have been shit this year. Corey Fatoni's been a good punter. That's yeah. the only difference. Yeah, they've got nobody to return kicks. It's 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 covered up by the fact that the offense has been so bad. Right. If the offense was decent this year, I think most of the chatter would be about, man, our special teams return game is garbage, hot, hot garbage. Yeah. It's a trap. <laughs> Wrong. Way to pull the trigger on that drop. Yeah. I didn't have it up. I wasn't ready. I didn't know how garbage was coming. <laughs> garbage. <laughs> but anyway, I. It's uh, it was it's been it's been embarrassing, and 
I, uh, I tweeted this morning and maybe I know it's sacrilege because everybody loves Gary, especially right now. Right. But, and, and people talk about, he hasn't fired an assistant coach in 15 years as, as a head coach. Sure. Of but I literally, to me, if he wouldn't fire Josh Henson in this off season, were he to continue to be our coach, to me, that would be a fireable fence for Gary Pinkle. <laughs> I know. I I'm not love, even joking. I, mean, I, I, I was thinking about that this morning about how, that uh, you know he he's got this reputation where he's really really loyal to his assistants. I mean he's never fired a coach, but I kept thinking the whole him stepping down situation really bails him out because this is the year. If it was going to happen, it would have to almost happen. Have to. It's he's been bailed historically out bad. I mean, yeah. and I I almost tweeted it out to just illustrate how bad it's been because, like I said, Gary Pinkle is almost this unimpeachable character. And the offense has been so bad. It's been that bad that if he didn't fire this coach, he should be fired himself. Right. You know, this legend should be fired because yeah. this, that's how bad our offense has been. Well, I, I was really resigned last night uh, in the second half after – early on after, they, I think, Tennessee when they got their, their final field goal of the night and then basically went into prevent mode and, and we're just trying to wear out clock that – you know, I just want to forget about 2015. You know, we've had such great years. The last two have been so exciting, and Pinkle's really made this program. I mean, we talk about Mizzou made. Pinkle made Mizzou. Mm-hmm. And uh, this season, it's just been so bad that I just want to, like, I wanted to beat myself over the head with a tack hammer, hoping to find the right part in the skull where it would make me forget the last year. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a bad plan, Brent. Well, I'm not a doctor. Um <laughs> But I assume that there's a proper point that if you nailed me on the skull, I would forget the last 12 months. But, you know, I, again, I'll have to go back to Brian. Brian he's, has taken a lover, and she is a medical doctor. And so uh, yeah. she might be able to tell me if that's an accurate way to relieve stress from football yeah, this anxiety. Is, uh, I guess this would be the yin and the yang of things. I mean, we've had enjoyed two consecutive SEC East titles, and it's been, it's been as much fun to be a Tiger fan these last two years as it has been at any point in our history. Right. And this is the the yin to that yang. I mean, we are now we have fallen flat on our faces. We are the worst team in the SEC, and I don't mind saying that. We're not as good as Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt beat us. Yeah. You know, and and I, they beat us because they're better. They did, it wasn't a fluke, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's Kentucky what I mean. wasn't beat, a fluke. Yeah, they we were they were better than us. And it it makes you wonder how it how did it happen this quickly? But yeah, that's, because the truth is, Brennan, is the SEC East is not that strong. No, look given what a, Florida mediocre, did last night. Given a mediocre offense, we could have won a third year in a row. Yeah, Florida almost got beat. Georgia mm-hmm. got oh, Georgia had to go to overtime with Southern Georgia. I mean, yeah. this is these were not unbeatable juggernauts of football teams. Right, I agree. Yeah, it's it just makes it that more much more disgusting. Yeah. Well, so a beat. We're a beat. Yeah, we're super upbeat. Is there anything about the game we need to bring up? Well, I mean, really, we only need to talk about the first half. I mean, it was a tale of two halves in a way, but the the game was over by halftime. It was sixteen to nothing. Tennessee had a slightly better offense than us, but they were settling for field goals, knowing full well that uh, we couldn't score. And if they got enough, you know, a two touchdown margin was enough to secure the victory. Uh, we saw that our offense was back to its old form, not being able to do anything. Yeah, it's Sixteen hard. to nothing was insurmountable at halftime, and a lot of fans knew it. Absolutely, and the, like I said, the field position game—you know—they're starting on their fifty all the time. We're starting on the inside the ten, and Coach Henson's play calling just made it look like we were like we're not even going for first downs. We're trying to right. score a touchdown and get out of this hole. We just need to get enough yards so Corey Fatoni doesn't have to punt out of the end zone. Yeah, that's and right. It's just like we were calling plays. It was the most nutless. 
it was the most nutless game plan I've ever seen. And get eight yards to get Corey a little room to punt. Yeah, that was that was the goal. And and then Tennessee gets the ball back on their own on the fifty. Josh Henson is a cunt. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> I know that's harsh, but. Josh Henson's a cunt. Yeah, you know, and I don't think we need to apologize for being brash or using grown-up words because this is how people feel, and uh, yeah. and and so we're happy to say it, and we yeah, don't have the FCC up our ass. So, well, you know, yeah, and the, and to those that are critical of it, I don't have to write it down for the Tribune, and if I was going to write it for the Tribune, I wouldn't use the word cunt. Right. So, but. But I'm, it's a podcast, and so I can just tell you how I feel. And I feel like Josh Henson is a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree wholeheartedly. But, you know, not, that may not be for everybody, but it's fucking reality. Well, know? and... And, I, I mean, we've said it before, too. When the Tigers do well, we'll be the first to celebrate them. But we're not Pollyannas, and when they do poorly... It makes us mad. It should make you mad. You know, if you're a fan, you shouldn't be like... Way to go. You can do it, guys. Well, I Good think for you. Pinkle wasn't squarely on his way out the door, a lot of this vitriol would be squarely on him because ultimately he's the captain of this ship. Yeah. And is is he not sticking his finger into yeah. the offensive game plan at all? I did all? not know where that sentence was going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's uh, – I mean, he's uh, he's approving this apparently. I mean, he's this, – this game plan where we throw the ball laterally constantly – and run draw and screen plays and never go down the field, never use the middle of the field. Uh, I mean, he's okay with this? Colin, it looked like to me that the, like, the first 200 plays are, are prescribed. Like mm. They're going to do whatever is written yeah. down regardless of the situation. They're going to go by a certain formula, and uh, hell or high water, they're going to carry out the formula. And it's a terrible strategy. Well, I think you know there's been the rumor... I guess there's always been the rumor that Gary Pinkle was a coach that kept banker's hours. Yeah. And by banker's hours, I mean he kept long hours, just not ridiculously long hours. I mean, I don't know that – you know, there's this mentality that coaches have to get there at 4 in the morning and go home at midnight. Breaking down film. You know, but – and that's never been the reputation that Gary Pinkle carried around. But um, he always had the reputation that he was pretty hands-off. He lets assistants do their job. You know, he was going to be at the local pub having a glass of wine Mm -hmm. by 6 p.m., which is okay when you're winning football games, but at some point you wonder if he's gotten so hands off that he's leaving. He's, is he? Is he? Is there any oversight? You know, with Josh Henson and this offense, it, and maybe being there is, and they're just that bad. But being hands off is fine, like you said, when you have good assistants. But if your assistants aren't doing their job, you want the hands on. You want the, you want to put your hand on the rudder. You know, steer yeah. the ship a little bit, coach. You're going to have to wait to 8 to go to Murray's and drink that glass of wine. <laughs> you got some at, offensive at, plays at to drop. 6 o'clock p.m., you still need to have some work to do with Coach Henson. Yeah, and uh, Coach Henson, I hope, that's a, I hope that's a phrase that is no longer in the Mizzou oh, vernacular. D- dictionary by yeah. next year. I, I, I can't – I honestly wonder if, if Barry Odom and Josh Henson are on speaking terms at this point. <laughs> I mean, because if you're Barry Odom, you'd just want to choke this guy to death. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to choke this guy to death, and I'm not responsible for a terrific defense on the same team. You know, and I do think wonder about that, though. I mean, in a way, the offense being so bad has only made the narrative of the defense being really good even maybe euphemistic. Like, they're they're a good defense, no question, but both Mississippi State and Tennessee – Move the ball. Move the ball and racked up some serious yards against the Tigers. They are a good defense, but they're not maybe an elite defense like we pretended like they have been all year because it, it's it, we grind our teeth at the offense, and the defense, mm-hmm. by comparison, looks so much better. 
But we've played a lot of weak teams, and uh, we've done really well defensively against weak teams. But when we've played some of the stronger, we'll know against Arkansas. It's, I it's, mean, Arkansas. Yeah, the, they, that, the defense didn't play great. And it's unfortunate because it's hard to find any positive from a game like this. It's really, yeah. I, I mean, even they just it's just full of negatives, including the like. Greg McElroy was one of the announcers. I don't know if he was the worst thing ever. I thought Jesse Palmer was bad. I was wrong. Jesse Palmer is okay. Greg McElroy is bad. He's the worst. I hate that guy. (laughs) Well, I was out in the cold, frigid weather. Oh, you didn't have to listen to that ginger asshole? Yeah. Oh, you lucky guy. I mean, I don't like him in the the studio. I don't know why I would like him out on play-by-play. No, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have. He's always struck me as wildly arrogant. For not really being a guy of massive accomplishment. No, no, no. Yeah, so. that's. Uh, well, he he didn't endear himself to myself or anyone else. I think uh, in his his broadcast of the game. Yeah, but, on uh, deep ESPN. Yeah, deep. deep. <laughs> yeah, so deep. I also will tell you this: that um, Coach Butch Jones. Mm-hmm. Has the most punchable face I've ever seen. He does have a punchable he's, face. He looks. He's like the combination of Kevin's little Kevin's older brother from Home Alone. Yeah. And Biff from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. If those two were mashed together into some sort of science experiment retard baby, mm-hmm. that is what Butch Jones is. I don't know that that's not how he was created. <laughs> Never seen the Test proof. tube. Yeah. Test tube. Yeah. But yeah. And it just, you just want to ball up your fist and punch that flat top. Oh, God. He's such a, he's the worst. The other thing. Squinty eyed. and <laughs> The thing that. Horse, really- he's just a horse all the time. Yeah. Just a horse. Every interview I've ever heard him in, he's. He just needs a lozenge, that guy. <laughs> the thing that irritated me about this, one of the th- many things that irritated me about this game is that we've had Tennessee's number. This is yeah. the first time Tennessee has beaten Missouri since we've been in the SEC, and I really wanted to keep that streak going, even too. on our down years. Because we beat them in 2012, and we wouldn't beat anybody. We yeah. beat Tennessee. So, um, Well, but even, even that year, our, our offense wasn't nearly this inept. No. I mean, I've never seen an offense this inept. This is I've never seen. This has been so frustrating to watch. Even in the old days, Brendan, when me and you used to watch the Corby Joneses of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? When when winning seven games and going to a bowl was just... A massive victory. Yeah. In those days, and we weren't a good team. The, fuck the Kurt Farmer, Darius Outlaw days. Yeah. It was never this bad. Right. At no. least if, unless I, my memory has changed over the years. It was never this bad as far as from an offensive efficiency standpoint. Memories may be changed, but I don't think there was the dichotomy of, you know, when we were kind we were of just a, bad top to bottom. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have a great defense and a crappy offense. We just had a middling. We didn't have a, de- we didn't have a really good defense to show us just how bad the offense was. We could always beat the Iowa States of the world. Well, and that's like I said, that's the other thing is in the SEC, you don't get nearly as many Iowa State, Kansas uh, situations where you like you're kind of lobbed a softball and knock out of the park. Once but we in a while. have Kentuckys and Vanderbilts, and we didn't make any hay of it, you know. So yeah, well, my I guess my point would be that the Kentuckys and Vanderbilts are more competitive than the Iowa States and the Kansases. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. The, this final score, nineteen to eight, Missouri did get one touchdown. Uh, it looked like we had a big, long, successful touchdown pass to Cam Hilton, but mm-hmm. that was ruled. Yeah, we almost didn't get that touchdown. Yeah, we took a quarterback running, stretching for the pylon on the. It was ugly. But you I will say Cam Hilton is a uh, kind of in a breath of fresh air these last two games as far as a receiver that actually seems to have the ability to catch the ball. Yeah, but, you know, being in a glass half-empty mode as I am, <laughs> he's a converted safety. The guys we recruited to, to be receivers, receivers yeah. aren't doing as well mm-hmm. as him. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, another thing, glass half-empty, uh, on I think it was third down and one or four and goal, 
Drew Locke tried to force a pass on the left side to get a touchdown. And on the replay, you could see Wesley left, which by himself in the back of the end zone. And you think, gosh, you know, we have so much high hope for Drew Locke, and he doesn't see these things. Well, like I said, I play that as a product of this offensive line. Him, He has become a fainting goat. I mean, he is looking at his first read. You're saying he's become Urban Meyer. Get rid of the the fucking football fast because it's coming. Who can blame him? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like he's going to sit back there and survey the field. He knows he's got an internal clock. Every quarterback has one, and they, they know how many seconds they have to get the job done. And for, for Drew Locke at this point, that clock must be set at somewhere around seven-tenths of a second <laughs> because um, our line can't block anybody. No, but it is disheartening regardless of yeah, what Yeah, he's, he's such a universally agreed-upon talent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I, you know, he's not transcendent talent where he's going to be able to perform when no other components of the team are performing. Yeah, and again, getting back to like Cam Hilton, you know, two of the biggest plays were were to him. Uh, Left, which had a big, you know, like forty four yard pass reception mm-hmm. that he 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 caught. He made a great reception, but he fell down. I mean, if he just stayed on his feet, he could have maybe scored a touchdown on it. And then, of course, we did nothing. We ended up punting on that entire on that possession. So. It's just that you can't take away – Colin, you know, we have our intro that we began this season. We've got highlights from Tiger football in it, mm-hmm. you know. And the intention was that we would replace some of the previous year's highlights, the Shane Rays, the Marcus Murphy highlights, with uh, current players and current <laughs> highlights. Good. There aren't any. Yeah. There really aren't. You can't pull highlights. Yeah, from- there's no Mike Kelly saying, Tiger, yeah. touchdown, what a terrific run by – Fill in the name because yeah. that just hasn't happened ever. No, and 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 even when we have had touchdown plays, it's always been disputed. You know, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to look at it on the video replay. There's no like just pure or you unadulterated. Just don't want, you don't want the tone to be holy shit. We scored a touchdown because yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. the, kind of the tone of the the highlight. Yeah, the highlight would be like the oh, Tigers really needed that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. How the fuck did that happen? But who'd have thought? Like Kelly says fuck a lot more than you expect. Yeah, I didn't realize he did that. I always thought he just said take it to the house on repeat, but apparently... <laughs> take uh, it to the house. Yeah, that nine-second delay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's depressing. It's been depressing. I just want to hit reset on the season. We have to play Arkansas. Gary Pinkle almost admitted that season's over. We can't beat Arkansas. Well, this um, is a team that has averaged like 50 points a game for like the last, last five, three, like yeah. three or four games or something crazy like that. Yeah. If, I, and if we allow half that, we're going to Well, lose. and Joe Wall Jasper, I think, would put in his article that over like the past five games, Mizzou has scored 53 points total. Right. Um, so, yeah, I a, mean, our defense is good, but like you said, Brennan, it's not that good, and you're coming in with a hot offense. And I've watched Arkansas, some Arkansas football this year. And their their quarterback is good. You yeah. know, I mean, he's an efficient. He's a good quarterback. It really hurts to know. And they got that, a line too. that can protect him, which is you know, what is that? Yeah, I don't even... what is that? Well, why don't we take our first break, Colin, and then uh, get settled and and try to do something a little bit more uplifting than bitch about another horrible Tiger football game. This is the Mazzotcast. <laughs> Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. Thank you. 
three kinds of suns in Canada. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Well, Colin, it's time for Kansas News, and we've got some good stories for you today on our first one. It comes to us from the AP in Topeka, Kansas. It says, authorities have postponed a trial for a Topeka man accused of punching his lawyer in the face during a jury trial. <laughs> Lance Franklin is charged with aggravated battery for allegedly punching his lawyer, David McDonald, in the head while McDonald was representing Franklin during his 2014 jury trial for rape and other charges. In my his defense, who hasn't wanted to punch a lawyer at least once? <laughs> yeah, but I think the timing is a bit suspect, especially sure. when it's your lawyer and he's trying to keep you out of prison. Yeah. McDonald was knocked unconscious, loaded onto a gurney as jurors watched. <laughs> McDonald suffered two cuts and required stitches, a broken nose, concussion, and had chipped teeth. Jesus, that's a hell of a punch. Yeah, he really waylaid him. Topeka Capital Journal reports that Franklin's trial for battery has been rescheduled to start in November, but lawyers on Monday agreed to continue the trial to March 14th. A mistrial was declared on the rape case, and it will be retried in February. Question. Mm-hmm. Um, is it un-American of me to want the judge just to go, uh, this guy's a piece of shit, execute him? Mm. And they just litter- and they don't... Put him in like a cell for the next twenty five years while he endlessly appeals it. He I just he just immediately is just euthanized. I, I think that's very American. Yeah, because I feel like what what does this guy really offer society? Well, you're not even bringing up the fact that he's starting out with one you know foot in the grave. He's a Kansas guy. Well, that, oh, Britain, he's from Kansas. Did I not make it clear? I wouldn't. I don't. I don't endorse my plan for other Americans. I'm talking oh. about Kansas residents under these circumstances. Okay, I can get behind that. Yeah, sure. you got my vote. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying if you're Massachusetts, we would stick to this kind of guideline. No, fair trial. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Same until proven guilty. Yeah, yeah. Kansas. I'm saying in these circumstances, with a Kansas resident, immediate execution. Sure. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Good. All right. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Next story. Kansas score plummets in state probe. The Kansas score in state integrity plummeted from a C to an F. <laughs> After a similar review three years ago, the 2015 study cited problems with private communications by Governor Sam Brownback and other officials, long delays, and hefty charges in response to open records requests and state jobs or contracts that went to governor's political allies. In a data-driven assessment by the Center for Public Integrity and Global Integrity, Kansas fell from the top 10% of states, where it stood in the 2012 rankings, to the bottom 10 the state's average score three years ago was 75, and that has dropped to a 59. The scores are not directly compa- comparable, however, because the changes were made to improve and update the methodology. So uh, anyway, I mean, it's just basically Kansas telling us what, again. telling us what we already knew, and it is a failure of a state and its integrity and all other ways, basically. Well, and it, I guess it electing a man like uh, Brownback as your leader, mm-hmm. I think only goes further to illustrate what a fucking backwater piece of shit that state is. Sure. And that leads us right nicely into our next story. According to the Topeka Capital Journal, in a poll, Sam Brownback is voted the most unpopular governor in America. A new poll released Friday holds both good news and bad news for Sam Brownback. The good news is the poll shows more Kansans approve of his performance and express satisfaction with the governor than last month. 26% approval on Friday compared to 18% in October. The bad news is, despite this improvement, Brownback is the least popular governor 
in the United States. Well, I think he's proven time and time again he's an awful person. Yeah, he's sure. just awful. And a, uh, and a guy who would just overtly will tell anyone he's a, he's a Christian. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And just like, but he is the epitome of hypocrisy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm a Christian, but I hate everybody and I want everybody to get fucked. Well, you're in bad place when you get a 26% positive rating, and that's a massive improvement over your previous <laughs> poll. According to the results, uh, Brownback has the smallest approval rating of any governor in Ever. the nation. The next lowest approval belongs to Bobby Jindal, Louisiana's governor and presidential candidate who dropped out earlier this week. His approval rating stood at 35%. Brownback also has the highest disapproval rating of any governor at 65%. Last year, Kansas reelected him. Well, the... the Governor Brownback strikes him as a man who, when he hears, you have a high disapproval rating of 65%, he goes, who cares? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. I got to do what I got to do for America. <laughs> You're saying he does what he does? He does what he does. Well, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, Governor Charlie Baker of Massachusetts had the highest approval rating of any governor at 74%. Ah, so I like him. Yeah. Well, it's dark days for Kansas. They are receiving an F grade in integrity, and they have the least popular governor in America. So sounds sounds about right. Yeah, and Britain, you'd think it'd be easy to keep your popularity up. I mean, they're the, the, with a state population of somewhere around 8,500 people, mm-hmm. you'd think they'd be able to, you'd almost be able to cater. Right, to yeah, everyone. to each and every single one. You <laughs> yeah, do sure. dishes, go to each other's sure. house, yeah. give handies yeah. where needed. Yeah. Um, and the final piece of Kansas I news. mean, that, if you take metropolitan Kansas City, mm-hmm. you know, in, that's the part of it that's in Kansas away from that population, right. Britain, you're down to... 738 people total oh, for the yeah. entire state. You definitely have more tumbleweed and bull weevils than you have humans. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's mostly prairie dogs. We're not going to argue that here. Right? Sure. Why would we? Yeah, uh, let's see. Our final story for the day. Kansas had a football game this week in Colin. Did they? Yeah, they did. They, um, they played West Virginia. Tough, tough matchup. Tell me they didn't win because that would be really disheartening, Brennan. Well, you know... I- don't get your hopes up, Colin. They almost beat the vaunted TCU. That's right. They yeah. really gave all they gave TCU all they wanted last yeah, week. Yeah. So you think? Well, maybe they're on it. Maybe they're on the right track. They're on the huh? upward trend. Well, yeah. Mm, and they lost forty-nine to nothing against Virginia Tech. Forty-nine to nothing. Well, so as bad as things seem here in Columbia, Missouri, in dark, dark days, it's not Kansas, Brendan. That's. Life is about perspective. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's never as bad as you think. Right. And uh, it's really nice to have a neighbor to the West that can always remind us just how awful, <laughs> awful things can be. Yeah. So as Missourians, uh, we, can, we can always you know, feel good about ourselves. Right. Yeah. You know, as, as awful as things may be at times. I mean, and these are dark times at Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's at least we're not Kansas. You could always put that feather in your cap. Yeah, and and it just shows you how low the, the <laughs> bottom could be. You know, <laughs> did you hear about the guy who was on hunger strike at Kansas? No, I didn't. And and he was in in support of uh, of the CS nineteen fifty. Yeah, yeah, and and nobody cared, and they he literally quit. Yeah, and uh, because he realized everybody's just going to let him die. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. I <laughs> wish I'd pulled it for you for Kansas news. Well, so because everyone in Kansas was just like. We don't care. People die here all the time. It's yeah. kind of yeah, starvation's part of the part of the equation. <laughs> part of the deal. Yeah. yeah, you move here, you possibly starve to death. <laughs> so the the problem with this forty nine to nothing loss uh, to Virginia Tech is that uh, Kansas has one last opportunity against their in state rival Kansas State to pull out a victory for the season or go winless wow. in two thousand fifteen. Wow, that's winless. impressive. Winless means no wins, by the way. Thank and you for clarifying. They're on the verge of doing that. So I mean. 
Good Christ. We have we we have one of the worst teams I can remember, and we have five wins somehow. And yeah. Kansas has zero. 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 So anyway, that is Kansas News. Colin, I thought um, we might talk a little bit about the searching coach, coaching search again, or searching coach. Whatever. Yeah. Potato, potato. You know, because uh, like I, I mentioned, we are at the point where we're just looking ahead to next year. And well, and something that's happened since our, uh, last our last show is that LSU has lost again in an embarrassing fashion. Yeah. And uh, they the the pitchforks and those torches are out. Right. And, and down in Death Valley. And, and they want heads. And uh, Les Miles is no more. Yeah. Well, I mean, is he no more? Yeah, he got canned. He got shit canned. You didn't know? This is news to me. This happened during the Tiger game. Did it? ESPN sources report Les Miles is out. Oh, I heard they, they, they everybody's calling for me. I didn't realize he had actually been. Well, there you go. Yeah. Breaking news to me, mm-hmm. the person hosting a college football show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, well, it, it's, um, it becomes a, uh, a pretty high-profile job. Well, I also heard Iowa State might be looking for a coach, too, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. those two are basically on a, on yeah. a yeah. par. Well, where does Les Miles end up? Hopefully, I mean, I don't think there's any chance he ends up at Missouri because there's he's a high profile. Yeah, um, he's a pretty high profile coach. We talked a little but bit I about. I told that you, I don't want him. Yeah, yeah, I don't want. I don't want Les Miles. They call him the Mad Hatter, and I believe they call him the Mad Hatter because he makes crazy decisions. And he's basically his talent has been so good that they've overcome them. Right. But he's a bit of a fucking nutball. Well, um, and he recruits the type. Or, I mean, he has had the type of players at LSU that Missouri does not typically get. The type of Big power running, running backs. backs and huge offensive lines. Yeah. And we've had successful running backs, but they've been the small speedster mm-hmm. types. And well, uh, we got Drew Locke right now. And if Les Miles becomes your coach, he might have seventeen total attempts for the next three years of college. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, true. Yeah, and I tell you what, with LSU and USC both searching for coaches now, that's mm-hmm. two really like you know I would Top consider blue bird. chip programs. So you you know we talked about Fuentes from Memphis. I feel like if either one of those teams wants him, Missouri's out. On the outside looking in. Before, I think we talked about this, before the LSU fired their coach, I would have argued that Missouri was the second best coaching job with Virginia Tech to USC. And right. this with LSU getting into the into the mix, that just moves us, bumps us a little bit further down the line. Yeah, I, I mean, I heard you say that. I still think places like uh, Virginia Tech. Well, fuck you, Brendan! <laughs> I'm not saying that th- those kind of places are better than us, but I, I think know. they're at least on a level with us. And um, I, and I think we, whoever we get, they they need to be able to recruit Kansas City and St. Louis, and that needs to be yep. a factor. I mean, uh, honestly, I don't know if this is if there's a lot of people on board with me or not on this, but I think we have our guy in our own backyard. I I would like Barry Odom to. I'd like to conti- him to continue doing what he's doing on defense, and then find his own offensive staff mm-hmm. and see what we could do with that and not shake up things that much truthfully as things start to play out i think that is that's looking more and more realistic to me i think that the well i think what nobody's talking about really with the all these openings and the coaching search is there aren't a lot of great options i mean people keep talking about fuentes and maybe the less miles and maybe uh, mark Richt is fired at georgia tom herman tom herman at uh at houston but to me, Tom Herman isn't even getting a look right now. If there's some, there's a little more talent. I mean, the the, the job openings are numerous, and the names you know about are the proven people you know about are non-existent. There's just not that many uh, well-known coaching candidates. You know, that's not to say that they're bad. It's just there's not that many known commodities. 
Well, and there's a lot of people like that are in Missouri situation where we've got a retiring coach. South Carolina has a retiring coach. So it's not like those guys are getting fired and picked up in other places. Yeah. You know? um, let's read through the – there's 12 teams now. Illinois, Iowa State this morning had an opening. They fired Paul Rhodes. Hawaii, Maryland, Miami, of course, Missouri, Minnesota, uh, North Texas, South Carolina, UCF, uh, ULM, I guess that's Louisiana, Monroe, USC, both USC, South Carolina and Southern Cal, and of course, Virginia Tech, and then you add LSU to the mix. Good Christ, that's a yeah. lot of coaches to fill. Yeah, like I said, at this point, Barry Odom may just be the choice. He's in-house. He wants the job. And as far as the what you're going to know about the candidate you're going to get, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're probably not going to obviously get the Fuentes's. We're probably not going to hire the Les Miles's. So everybody you're going to hire is basically a crapshoot. Yeah. So why not? I mean, better the devil you know sort of situation with Barry sure. Odom. At least you know you're going to get a strong offense or defense again. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to give, if you're going to give somebody an opportunity – because obviously that's what it looks like it's going to happen. You're going to have to give somebody who's not a proven commodity an opportunity. So it mm-hmm. might as well be your proven, unproven commodity. The, so The one team that sort of defies that I saw is that if Texas decides to get rid of Charlie Strong, the rumor mill is that they will make another strong go for Nick Saban again. Really? Yeah, but you know that's a lot of ifs involved in that. Number one being if they get rid of Charlie Strong. But uh, I think that could upset the entire. Listen, equation. I think if Saban's going to leave Alabama, it's for the NFL. That's my opinion. I, mm-hmm. He has got strong ties to, like, I guess the ownership of the Indianapolis Colts, whose their uh, coach is very much on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. If uh, Nick Saban is not an Alabama Alabama's coach next season, it's because he's an Indianapolis Colts coach, not because he's coaching for Texas. That mm-hmm. just w- would be my guess. Yeah. Well, and of course. Probably a lot would depend on how this season turns out. I think if Alabama were to, say, win a national title, maybe that's the point where Nick Saban would say, look, I've, that's, I've left my mark, you know, yeah. multiple titles, go out on a high point. Well, I know Texas has an unrealistic ex- – unrealistic, they think they're something more than they are. And they are something, don't get me wrong, but they're not more something than Alabama. I mean, for ultimately at this point, I feel like Nick Saban going from Alabama to Texas is at best a lateral move. Mm-hmm. So I don't see where Nick Saban is – is, Not, is is motivated to do that unless they just back up a Brinks truck, you know? Yeah, and which, which they might. There's a lot of money in Texas. He already makes like seven million dollars a year, at Alabama. Yeah, but I don't know. You never never underestimate those guys to take the job for seven million and one dollars. God, that would throw things into it. I mean, oh, he may end completely. up leaving for Indianapolis anyway. Well, wouldn't that throw the coaching world into a tizzy too? If now Alabama uh, head coaching spot is. Uh, is open. Right, yeah, I, sure. I think the more the more we sit here and talk about it, the more it roll around in my head. I think probably Barry Barry Odom is is the Mizzou's next coach. But I've kind of been there from the beginning. But you know, at, at the outset, it was more just my lack of knowledge about anybody else. Mm-hmm. But as we learn more about these guys like Herman and Fuentes and and you know the other names that kind of pop in and out, you know, Odom does seem like a good choice. And 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 normally when Missouri has an opening, I tend to be a guy who wants to go away from natural born son sort of stuff. Yeah, the true born. I'm the, the same way when they hired stuff. Kim Anderson, I was not happy about it. I thought it was mm-hmm. just a excuse to go cheap was basically mm-hmm. the way I looked at that. But uh yeah, I don't feel that way. If, if they well partially because I feel like Barry Odom is a more proven commodity. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he went and did it at Memphis. He's doing it now. He's a natural born son. He wants to be a head coach. I feel like it's he's his he's at the right age. You know what I mean? There are a lot of things lining up for Barry Odom. If they hired Barry Odom, well, here's the thing. Here's, here's really what it boils down to, Brennan. 
if they don't hire Barry Odom as their head coach, I feel like somebody else will. Right. Whereas with Kim Anderson, the only Division One college basketball coaching position Kim Anderson was going to get was University of Missouri. You know, there was nobody else knocking on the Kim Anderson door, which says no. to me like it was like, yeah, just a decision to save money. Whereas Barry Odom's going somewhere. I mean, he's going to be head coach at Memphis if he's not head coach at Mizzou. Right. Or some other place. You know, I mean, Houston's probably going to need a head coach. There's lots of places, obviously. There's so many openings. So I feel like um, he's a much hotter commodity than Kim Anderson ever thought about being. Oh, there's no, no doubt about that. I root for Kim Anderson because he is a natural-born son, and I want my Tigers to do well. But that higher smacks of lack of commitment to the program. It mm-hmm. says, we want to save money. I suppose I'm okay with saving money if they're recommitting that money to the football program. <laughs> That's how much I like football, but no, it's, it's, it, it, it just goes with my running theme with Missouri, and one of my biggest frustrations with their athletic department on the whole for a long time is that we want to be considered top tier, but we want to pay third tier. Right. And, you know, just even hiring Pinkle, which was an excellent hire, you know, hiring some guy out of Toledo, we don't have to do that anymore. So if the, if they go find some obscure coaching candidate that they can get away with paying a million and a half dollars, I'll be upset. Well, I, like I said, I mentioned it last time. I do think this is an excellent opportunity with our interim chancellor to make a big payment to a, a coach if we want to go that route and make a big salary. And then if people bitch and moan about it, paying too much to the college football coach, uh, the interim guy's gone in six months, and the new coach has his hands clean, and therefore, you know, the new we, chancellor. Got, yeah, the new chancellor. Well, the other the other upside I think with Barry Odom is of all the coaching candidates you can hire, he's probably your best shot to have a coaching candidate who's going to stay on a very long term basis. Right, because Dream he job played situation. at Mizzou and he's coached at Mizzou. He's a Missouri guy. So you'd think that unless some blue-chip program just backed up a brink truck to him, that he's probably going to be pretty happy with being a Missouri Tiger. Uh, whereas, like you mentioned, Herman at Houston, you know, the minute the Texas job becomes available, mm-hmm. you know, and if they give it to him, he's gone. Sure. You know, Fuentes is probably, you know, he started at Memphis. He'll go to Missouri. If he has success there, he's going to translate Missouri into a blue-chip program. Mm-hmm. Barry Odom is probably your best option to have a long-term coaching solution a la Gary Pinkle. It's the least sexy option, but it may be the best one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's – once you boil it all down and think about all the openings and all the candidates, once you boil it down to its essence, it probably makes the most sense. Well, Colin, you want to switch gears and take a look at what went on in the rest of the SEC this week? Sure. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we go around the horn? Jesus loves football. Well, Colin, uh, we don't want to go around the horn without adding our special guest to the program. So if you wouldn't mind firing up the old Paul Feinbot. Sure, here we, we go. Nick Saban, Nick Saban. Thanks for joining us, Paul. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. All right, you ready to get started? Let's get started. Okay. So, Colin, um, with Brian Gunn, I'll take the lead on this. Alabama played Charleston Southern. Who cares? Yeah, that's the uh, Who Cares Bowl. It was indeed the Who Cares Bowl. It was a, a nice little scrimmage for Alabama. They won 56-6. to mm-hmm. so, uh, A healthy game. Yeah, it was indeed. And uh, it was just a Heisman sort of padding for uh, their running back Henry as well, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, Florida played Florida Atlantic, and this one was interesting. Florida trying to make a case for them to be a, a playoff contender team, and they did not do that. It took 
Florida Atlantic into overtime to beat them 20 to 14. I think Florida fans were uh, having a little sense of regression. Yeah, this is um this is the point uh, where we start to go. God damn, the East is a dumpster fire. They didn't necessarily lose, but uh they certainly didn't do anything to establish the dominance of the SEC East in their You're strength. Right. Yeah. No, it, it, the SEC East, uh, if that's our leader, uh, no. could be another uh, bloodbath in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, LSU and Ole Miss, this is another game where... Uh, I kind of felt like I saw this one coming. If LSU has become very apparent that if you can just stop Fournette, they got nothing else going mm-hmm. on. And yeah. Ole Miss has proven that they have an efficient offense most of the time. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think LSU has been figured out. Yeah. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah. And, of course, uh, they figured out less miles. Uh, South Carolina, let's talk about that for a minute. They played the Citadel and uh, lost 23-22. Yeah. to 22. Yeah. South Carolina, um, as bad as we are here in Missouri, they're struggling, too. Yeah, yeah. Paul, certainly it didn't look like uh, Spurrier left the cupboard full for them. No, no. I South Carolina... Because, I mean, for those Mizzou fans that don't know, before Mizzou was part of the SEC, South Carolina was closer to Vanderbilt than they were to Alabama as far as where they've been perennially in this conference. So right. uh, now Steve Spurrier took them to some sustained uh, viability for a while. Yes, sir. But ultimately they are, they are a shit show for the majority of their history in yeah. this conference. So um, this is not really – I don't know if this is a regression as much as it's just a fallback to the pack or where they have always been. Well, and I feel like that's what a lot of people are saying about Missouri at this point, which makes me scared. Well, it makes me scared too, but um, you know, so far Missouri has a four-year history in the SEC, and it's it already looks better than South Carolina's. We already have uh, one more uh, East Championship than South Carolina, so. That's true. Um, Auburn played Idaho in what was uh, essentially supposed to be another tune-up game. But Auburn let Idaho rack up 34 points. Jeez. They, uh, Auburn won ahead hey, and won 56-34. How did that happen? Didn't they hire Will Muschamp as their defensive coordinator? And wasn't he supposed to take care of all their defensive problems? Well, all the SEC network told us Will Muschamp's the greatest defensive coach in all the land. Yeah, I, that's you know, it's just like Lane Kiffin going to Alabama. Their mm-hmm. offense is going to be the best thing ever because we know what Lane Kiffin's name is. Right. And, because, and he coached in the SEC. Yeah, because we've heard of Will Muschamp. Quib pro quo or what have you, he's obviously going to make them the best defense in the SEC because we've heard his name before. This one, I will say, you know, we are wrong a lot because we're stupid. And uh, but one thing where we can, I think, see the the see the game from a little bit higher up the twenty thousand feet level than the SEC network guys is that just because somebody was a coordinator before Mm -hmm. and and then when they failed dramatically as a head coach. (laughs) That they treat them like they forgot all about that head coaching experience and they revert to form. Yeah, uh, Muschamp and and like Sid Lane Kiffin, both they were couldn't say enough about them until they got their feet on the ground and actually played football. And then you know it's your crickets turn into mortals again. Yeah. Arkansas, Mississippi State. That's another game. That one's frightening to me because Jesus we play Christ. Arkansas. <laughs> Next Saturday, it was a shootout. It was indeed. Uh, Mississippi State pulled out the one point victory, fifty-one on to fifty. On a blocked field goal. Uh, it. I feel sorry for the young man. I can't remember. I don't know what his name was. He's. Uh, but Arkansas had a lineman just completely get beat to the inside and give away a block 
to the, on the kick to win the game. I mean, a block kick isn't supposed to happen then. You're supposed to be in ultra-focus mode. You right. know what I mean? And this kid just got blown up. The guy walked right into the kicker and blocked the kick. I, I can only imagine if that kid has Twitter right now what the toothless yokels of Arkansas are spitting in his direction. Sure. Yeah, it's not going to be pretty, and it's going to be poorly spelled. <laughs> the grammar will be atrocious. <laughs> uh, the East looked bad all week long, and that continues with Georgia, who played Georgia Southern and also needed overtime to pull out the victory against Georgia I'll Southern. tell you why I don't want Mark Richt as the next coaches. He is just – he has resigned himself to being resigned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? you can. I feel like he is just a guy who is – just he's wore out. He's just done. He's just dang wore out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's a guy to me that wants to get fired. You know, because he's a <laughs> yeah. head coach and it looks awful to quit. Yeah, you know, it looks awful to be a quitter. But I think at this point he would be. There's not a single person in Georgia that would be happier to be if he were fired right now than Mark Richt. Yeah, he's just sick of it all. Yeah, I don't think it would be too disappointing to him. And he's he with all these head coaching openings. I think Mark Richt would look. Really good. Oh, he'll land on his else. feet because I don't think anybody questions that he's a good coach. But no. I think at this point he is just exasperated with, with that the, job and that position and the, and the circumstances around yeah, it. It might be the time. Of course, let's skip over the Missouri Tennessee game. We talked that into the ground. Uh, Vanderbilt versus Texas A and M again. The East looks like garbage. Texas A and M trod all over Vanderbilt, twenty-five to nothing. So. Yeah, and uh, but I will say this: Vanderbilt, for the biggest part of this game, kept it ugly and kept it close. Yeah, they're the king of shut out. Ugly. They're the king of ugly performances. They are like just. I mean, Missouri and Vanderbilt are very mirroring. You know. Yeah, uh, decent defense and and no offense. Yeah, but apparently the offense good enough to beat us. Yeah. So Kentucky was the lone bright spot in the SEC East. Slaughtering Charlotte fifty-eight to ten. Yeah, and that's the Charlotte Bobcats basketball team too. So uh, don't get too high on that. But yeah, they played the Charlotte Bobcats basketball team in a scheduling mix-up. Yeah, played the Kentucky Wildcats in football, and as you might expect, the Wildcats came out on top. So next week was final. Will be the final regular season week of college football. So it'll be rivalry weekend. It'll also be our last podcast about a game because there's no way on the fucking planet that mizzou wins yes sir so uh we will not be doing a bowl game <laughs> program <No>. that's <laughs> correct no uh let's see georgia will play georgia tech and georgia tech's three and eight but georgia does not look very good right yeah, now so, i would and, not be shocked if georgia tech beats them no and that, that game is often um a, a shocker and a close one so who knows Kentucky plays Louisville. That's a six and five versus a five and six. Louisville doesn't look that great this year, um, but I mean, this may be a great year for Kentucky to get rack up a win against yeah. Louisville. But you know, Kentucky's had its struggles as well. Uh, South Carolina, Clemson. There's no question Clemson what's going to happen in this one. Going to eviscerate them. Yeah, this is a good year to be. They're going to push their Clemson turds type. way up there. Uh, Auburn plays Alabama, the old Iron Bowl, and that, that one's not going to be nearly as exciting as it has been in no, the last couple of years. No, Nick Saban is going to push Auburn to the ground and do what he does. Yes. He does what he does, just like Gary Finkel. <laughs> it will be silent tears falling to the earth. Uh, it's going to be like that scene from uh, The Accused. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where um, Jodie Foster is raped on a pinball machine? I can't say that I've seen that movie, and I don't know the reference, but I'm pretty sure. You Look it up. You'll You'll... You'll watch Jodie Foster be raped on a pinball machine, and you'll have you'll think. And the first thing that'll pop in your mind, Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Yeah, well, uh, that's disturbing. <laughs> but I'm totally gonna do it. Uh, Tennessee's gonna play Vanderbilt, and uh, I, I 
have to think Tennessee's going to come away with a win there. The, uh, the world will c- yawn collectively. Yeah, nobody's going to care about that game. Mississippi State versus Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. This is two eight and three schools. Ole Miss. I I don't know. But I, let me ask a question that's going to have our listeners screaming okay. at their iPads. Why do they call it the Egg Bowl? You know what? Uh, you're asking the wrong guy. Exactly. I, I don't know either. And I'm sure it's like some story college reference that I should know, and so should you. I I can only assume. And right now, there's a guy it. listening with earbuds in his ears right now, going, "You stupid pieces of shit!" It's because. <laughs> And well, enter you know the answer there. Not knowing the answer, I'm just going to assume it has something to do with history of slavery and illiteracy. <laughs> Playing the odds. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like an egg as in goose egg, as in it's the last zero bottom performer in every category mm-hmm. of um, academia uh, of anything in the United States. You know, obesity, uh, obesity reading, yeah, uh, infant mortality. You name it. <laughs> Uh, but at least they play football's good. Yeah. But as far as who's going to win it, I don't know. I mean, Ole Miss is looking great. I'm taking I'm taking Mississippi State. Yeah, they survived that Arkansas shootout. They look good against Missouri. They survived the Arkansas shootout. They can score. They have Dak Prescott. And Mississippi State likes to – they've given their defense a, you know, the nickname, like the Land Sharks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a nickname that has not been earned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually you would name a good defense. Um, theirs has been mostly horseshit. It was uh, – for part of the year, it looked good last year, and they give themselves a nickname, and ever since, they've been doing everything they can to make it ridiculous for them to have a nickname. Yeah. So I, well, I expect Mississippi State to roll it up, roll up the points on them. I certainly, Ole Miss is not a team you want to bet on, a team that can, cool. thinks they can beat Alabama and lose to Memphis in yeah. the season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would never place money on that. I, I like that bet. Yeah. yeah well, Paul. So. Um, and then uh, Florida, Florida State. Uh, ten and one Florida, who's not looking good, but keeps winning against uh, Florida State, who's had a couple of losses on this season. Well, I think this is a product of teams who've got some tape on Florida now. They're starting to figure them out. Yeah, uh, they're they still Harris, have some of the same quarterback is not is is a lot like Joshua Dobbs, who can run it around a little bit, but is more likely to miss an open receiver than hit him. Yeah, they are a different team since Will Greer. Greer yeah. yeah, if Greer was still part of this team, they would be. I think they'd be pretty scary. Yeah. And it's not that they're not a good team now, but certainly. The inconsistency at quarterback has hamstringed him a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know. It might, it might have to go Florida State, although it hurts to say that. Well, at least there's not a rapist at quarterback anymore. That's at true. least not a con, not, at least not an accused rapist. I don't. I mean, yeah. he may well be a rapist that we just don't know about. Right. Just, I mean, he's quarterback tracks. at Florida State, so it's almost a certainty that he has raped somebody at some point in his life. But mm-hmm. it's you know, we don't know about it. Yeah. Certainly, uh, nobody within the Florida State administration would do anything. To find no, out. no, 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 no. Texas A&M versus LSU is our final matchup on the SEC next week. <sighs> Boy, I, if you had told me three weeks ago that I'd be questioning whether or not to pick A&M in this game, I would have said, called you crazy because Leonard Fournette was running like a, a half-man, half-battering ram. I mean, he, it was, he was just destroying people. Uh, they, when they beat Florida, I just thought, mm-hmm. God damn, what a team. And, yeah. then, and now, th- you know, three or four weeks later, I'm going, they are hot, hot garbage. Yeah, they are indeed. What were they again? Hot garbage. <laughs> slow on the trigger. Yeah, I'm a little slow on the trigger today. The other thing, too, you know, they're coachless. They're, I don't know. I might have to go A&M on that one. Yeah. I, you, know, you didn't take into account the fact that they will be coached by a lame duck. Right. So, so then you've got uh, the final game on the docket, Missouri versus Arkansas. I, I just don't see a scenario where – any scenario where Missouri wins this game. No. I think the – there's no, no chance. It's going to be Mississippi State 
it's going to be Tennessee all over again. The defense is going to hold them probably to field goals for a little while. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the They'll dam's going to break because they're going to wear out. And it is going to be a 28-3 to three game or something crazy yeah. like that. Yeah, I think that's safe. I mean, Arkansas's defense isn't great, um, but our offense is terrible. Terrible. So they don't need a great defense. And I don't know. I just I wish there was some way to describe or illustrate how bad our offense is. I mean, I just don't feel like there's the words in the English vocabulary. No, I mean, all I mean, you've got is... The football is brown! Josh Henson, but mm-hmm. I mean, you could bring in Ernest Hemingway or name your literary choice, and they just wouldn't be able to put into words an appropriate amount of suckitude yeah. to this offense it's high suckitude it's very high suckitude so yeah i've got to take arkansas there's no no other option it really is the question is is how many points is yeah arkansas what's the scored? spread gonna be yeah i mean is arkansas getting to the 30s and we score three we've scored managed to score touchdowns in like three consecutive games we now. have yeah let's, let's say missouri scores manages to score 10 points but mm-hmm. arkansas is probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 34 points maybe oh, i, I can points. easily see it be a three touchdown spread yeah. Oh, I think it's a, that's a smart because they're they're at Arkansas too. I mean, it's yeah. not even you're not even your, your friendly confines either. Yeah, it could be twenty one points. And we've if these kids have obviously shown that the fact that it's Gary Pinkle's last game and there's some historical context to this whole thing that's not motivation for them. No, you know, they can lay down and die regardless of circumstances. Oh, well, the spread is it's only a fourteen and a half point spread. Well, so. it's, give it give the rest of the week for Vegas to come alive. <laughs> right. They're going to wake up on this game. They're going to watch some tape, and that spread's going to move to about eight hundred and seventy four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Paul. I'm glad I, I'm glad I could tickle you. Paul, who do you who do you want in this game? Who you, who you're thinking about? Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Can't argue with you, Paul. No. Well, yeah. I mean, as far as football goes, it's going to be a lot of talk about. Other things about 2016. About I can't remember. I, I just remember the summer while we were just so looking forward to football. Yeah. When do we get to record football podcasts? We get to talk about football. Talk about Boy, games. Boy, I can't wait for football. And we're and we're, here we are. We got a midweek show left, and uh, mm-hmm. and and then one show left really for the regular season. for the regular season. And we're not going to get a bowl game, and yeah. and there's going to be a long, long summer of uh, just hanging out with our fucking wives. And, ugh, oh God, it sounds awful, doesn't it? Yeah, lots of Christmas shopping. Oh, I've got kids. Oh, I mean, you don't have to worry about God. that. I've got to have... deal with kids. That sounds like the worst. It is. It really is. I, yeah. you know, wife, kids, the whole nine yards. It's you got like be... three of them too, right? Yeah. It's, oh my God. It's. Listen, it's 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 my great late greatest regret. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's my biggest life's biggest regret. It's my the biggest mis- the three biggest mistakes I've ever made. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I you can't imagine. How much time and effort they take away from college football? Yeah. That's, you know what I mean, how much of my my focus is stolen away from what's important. Oh, I'm aware. I mean, you can't imagine how frustrated I've been that, uh, you know, you, you've said, oh, I have to do something. I have to parent my child. And I think, fuck that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> there was a game this weekend. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Brennan, listen, that blade cuts both ways. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many times have you said, you know, I'm taking the wife out to dinner? Right. When I went, I'm like, well, let's, I want to have a half an hour phone conversation about college football right now. Yeah. About, a, like, about a 19 year old quarterback. Yeah. I. <laughs> And I'm, you're, you're, you you know, say something ridiculous along the lines of, it's I told my anniversary. My, <laughs> I told my wife we'd go out to dinner. Right. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I'll be honest. I mean, I pitched the idea of us doing a podcast on my anniversary, and she got mad at me. Ridiculous. Can you believe that? Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. These people just, where are people's priorities at? I don't know. I mean, you look at Twitter, and these guys seem to have it. Yeah. You know, they, they spend every waking moment on Twitter talking about college football. They know where their life is. They have yeah. a direction. I'm. I don't know. I can't. I, don't, I got nobody to blame but myself. I'll be honest. Well, Brennan, 
uh, listen, I'm the author of my own misery. You know yeah, what I mean? What am sure. I going to say? What am I going to do? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a shame. I mean, obviously everyone always should devote everything to college football. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to say that that goes without saying. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But even us fall I'd, I'd like to apologize to the listeners for devoting so much time to my wife and family. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. We really, we really let you down. Yeah. We will try to do better and devote more time to uh, talking about Drew Locke and his form and uh, his hair. Sinewy arms. Yeah. But that reminds me, speaking of hair, mm-hmm. we haven't given out our award. No, we, we have not. we have a certain award we like to give out every week. Uh, we haven't done it yet. Yep, it's time to celebrate all that is beauty, all that is gold and majesty in the Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. I don't know. I got nobody. <laughs> uh... Yeah, Corey Fatoni really didn't even look that great. What about this? What about calling an audible, going a little outside the box and say, tip of the cap, Kirk Farmer's hair, Coach Gary Pinkle, your final game at Faroe Field. I'm not okay with that. No, he's got to be a player. That was way too terrible. I'll get performed. I mean, like if they had come even come close to winning, I guess I could get on board with that. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, fans. I know that everybody wants to pat Gary on the back on his way out the door, but mm-hmm. no, I'm not. Thanks, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, you say Fatoni then. Uh, uh, Certainly don't want to get it to Josh Dobbs, although a man who needs hair more than any of us. Yeah, well, we can't give it to a Tennessee player. It's a mm-hmm. Missouri award. I know, but I do feel I really, bad. I, the kid doesn't have pretty, hair, and this is the best hair. It's it's Kentrell Brothers or Fotoni again. Because yeah. Kentrell Brothers, again, Multi-tackle. tackled everybody everything, all the time. I do. I would like to see an image of, of, of Dobbs with that beautiful, beautiful mane. Yeah, that would be. If you don't, things. if you don't follow us on Twitter, we always put the blonde flowing locks of Kurt Farmer on the recipient of this award. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Care. I'm going to go with Fatoni. I guess. I mean, nine punts. Yeah, and and really, he he's looked good all season. The kid does what he does. Just like he's a friend people. of the show. Yeah. Hey, he's earned. Just hey, I'll give him the award just for the midweek segment where he helps people. Sure. How about that? So, Corey Fatoni, you're the. Uh, Final home reluctant. game, week 11, reluctant. <laughs> Kirk Farmer's hair, player of the game. Yep. All right, Colin, I think that'll do it. Let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, we do have a midweek show coming up. Hope that'll be a good one. There's talk of a special guest, uh, but you know we'll see how that pans out. And then we have Arkansas, and so that should be a lot of self-flagellation and bitter, bitter, angry angry time yeah yeah so follow us on itunes tell a friend um, and be sure to leave us a um a, a review on a iTunes. review on itunes yeah, yeah. that'd be great and lazy go- pricks we see how many downloaders we got mm-hmm. there's lots of you guys and we got like i don't know what 14 or 18 something out of that ballpark of reviews you guys are lazy pricks i'm yeah. not gonna lie to you <laughs> but only five star reviews if you got a yeah oh yeah if you hate us don't don't ever review us yeah no, yeah no. We, we we want a five star we only want on people forever. who are going to you know Suck us off. Yeah, polish our cane. <laughs> yep, yeah. yeah, it does help us. It gets us to the top of the list on the old iTunes charts and makes us get found more easily for our future listeners, if they should exist. And uh, do go to our website and fill out our listener survey. Too. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I encourage everyone to get on Twitter. It's a great source of information, not just for all of college football, but for the Bazaad cast. There's a lot of uh, content that uh, goes into this show that goes up on Twitter that you might enjoy. Um, and if we ever hear any sort of breaking gossip, we, we're quick to put it on there before we know whether it's true or not. <laughs> yeah, before it's confirmed, before it is, there's illegitimacy to it. Yeah. It's up. Yeah. It's up, baby. Even if it's hurtful, painful to others, we will post it. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, thanks for thanks again for listening. I know it's been a tough week as a Tiger fan. They've been a, a series of tough weeks, but it's, it's nice to commiserate with you people. It is indeed. But in, you know, until then, I've just got to say, M I Z Z O U. Josh Henson is a cunt. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.